You're listening to episode 19 of the Japan Gamescast. On this week's show, a Japanese all-girls school starts its own esports club, another legendary arcade in Tokyo closes, and Sony completes its acquisition of Crunchyroll. All this and more coming up. Welcome to the Japan Gamescast, the Japanese gaming news podcast recorded in Tokyo, Japan. I'm your host, Julian, aka Kanten Gamer, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hey guys, what's going hey. on? <laughs> How you feeling, man? <laughs> Doing all right. Yeah, just got just got back from Hokkaido, so. Oh, nice. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It was cold up there. Even in the summer, it was, it was kind bit of chilly, actually. Bit of wilderness, get away from the games for a few days. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had my 3DS, actually, so. Uh... <laughs> ah, I see. I saw a picture of you in a, in a canoe or a kayak or something. Were you, were you yeah. gaming, gaming on the water? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So uh, I just want to preemptively apologize to the viewers. I had my uh, my first uh, Moderna shot yesterday. So I'm feeling a bit... It's starting to hit me right now. Um, I'm feeling a bit lethargic. So if I don't have the usual genki attitude that I usually do, I do apologize. So uh, I'd be expecting you to carry this one for us, Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like always, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, without any more faff around, let's dive straight into the news. So uh, our first story this week uh, is the completion of the uh, acquisition of Crunchyroll by Sony Pictures Entertainment. So uh, as everyone knows, or I assume probably most people know, uh, Sony company kind of that makes playstation he's part of a larger company um it's just called kind of Crun- called crunchyroll right <laughs> <laughs> well not not yeah uh not quite but um yes yeah, so sony is a group right i uh, have lots of different um, outfits and stuff um and this is a deal that was announced in i think october i'll f- kind of confirm that in a minute but it was announced in october that they were basically making moves to purchase crunchyroll uh, which is the largest um anime streaming service in the world it's similar to netflix you know but it's just exclusively anime um and this week it was confirmed so uh yeah sony pictures entertainment has now acquired the whole uh catalog that crunchyroll publishes um all their originals all the stuff that they just publish as like a third party um and as well as like a hundred hundred million subscribers which is quite a big <laughs> quite a big uh, user base it's pretty crazy yeah, yeah, that's a pretty crazy acquisition. And um, of course, Sony doesn't only, you know, make the PlayStation. They also make speakers and headphones and uh, televisions and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I get, it makes sense that a company like Sony would want to own some media, mm-hmm. um, media producing companies to uh, to support their platforms. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Um, they also actually purchased a Funimation, which was... I believe it was like the second ranked anime streaming service to Crunchyroll. Um, so it's now believed that, you know, with these two under the same company, they're just going to be like merged together. And I would imagine they probably keep the Crunchyroll name. Or I'm not sure like if they have to kind of, uh, kind of tread carefully so that they don't have this kind of like monopoly on the market. Because if they just turn it into one like superpower, like streaming service, that could be maybe construed as like... Um, what do you call it, like unfair trading practices, you know? Because um, then you're basically, you can you can determine the price that you set for the subscription stuff because you have too much like power in the market, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Netflix is like dominating pretty hard, like, and they produce a lot of um, animation 
movies and things now. So true, yeah. Um, so maybe this will be like kind of a competitor to Netflix, which I think most people who are into anime like really like Netflix because they have such a wide selection of stuff. Yeah, I'd and, imagine uh, it would be. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it relates directly to games, but you know, maybe if Sony owns a lot of these um, IPs, right? Mm. Uh, these uh, anime characters and worlds, like we could see uh, some games being produced, yeah, um, as well. You know, um, which is cool because, like, having a big parent company like that uh, controlling the intellectual property, you know, it it allows things like that to happen, mm-hmm. where um, where like a show can you know, turn into a game and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, it's a good so, example. You know, um, like Sony owns, I think it's Columbia Pictures. Um, and they quite notoriously own the rights to Spider-Man, right? So that's why Spider-Man has always been missing from all these Marvel movies. And when he appeared in Endgame, he, the uh, Marvel basically had to approach Sony and get a very specific kind of contract drawn up saying that, you know, he could appear in those films and no other works by um, Marvel or Disney. Um, and Sony, I imagine, got paid probably quite a big hefty amount from that. But because he's like the biggest Marvel hero, you know, give or take, he's, what, he's definitely not top three, right, Spider-Man. Um, you know, he's, he holds that power. Um, so that has led to probably one of the most, probably one of the best-selling PlayStation games, which was Spider-Man. You know, the, um, was it 2017 that came out originally? Um um, and they released uh, Miles Morales um, on the PS5. Yeah, it's good to see Sony uh, spreading its wings and uh, soaring over the uh, the vast anime landscapes. Um, but there's also been another kind of murmuring. This is not confirmed at all, but people have been complaining for a long time that the PlayStation Plus subscription, you know, it's the kind of direct com- competitor to uh, Xbox Live or Xbox uh, Live Gold. You know, it comes with the free games, but. Xbox now has like Game Pass and Sony has PS Now, but it's a bit different the way it works and it's not as good a value, I'd say. Um, so a lot of people are speculating that they might even start to include Crunchyroll subscription with a PlayStation Plus subscription, which, um, yeah, I oh, think wow. that, that that would cause a massive boost in sales, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, because, I mean, with Microsoft, like just dominating with Game Pass so much, um, I think companies like Sony and Nintendo are going to have to step up their um, subscription platforms, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I was saying before, I-, I hope Nintendo like just makes basically a um, an expanded virtual console kind of thing, like what yeah, they have yeah. now on the Switch, um, just with all the different systems and games at like a slightly higher price. And I guess you know Sony, if they have Crunchyroll included, um, you know that adds a lot of value as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting acquisition by Sony, so I'm I'm sure we'll see how that uh develops in the future. Yeah, so it looks like it'll take a little while to actually kind of completely finalize for the companies to merge. But uh, the deal is now apparently signed off, and it's there's no go backs. You know, there's uh that's it's, it's done. So um, yeah, what have you got next uh on the news feed today? All right, so next up, um, Sega's Ikebukuro Arcade, um is closing after being open for 25 years. Oh, yeah. So this is the, uh, I forgot what it's called, the Gigo Sega Ikebukuro Gigo Arcade. Yeah, and um, yeah, opened in 1993. That's actually, that's when I was born. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 93. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Nine stories Sega Ikebukuro Giga um, will close on uh, September 20th. So pretty soon. Yeah, I guess, uh, what's it, about six weeks. Uh, this kind of follows on from a story that we featured, I want to say, about six weeks ago um, of one of the stores, one of the chains, the Sega arcades closing in uh, Akihabara um, and the overall sale of, uh, I believe it was like Sega Arcade Holdings. They sold like the management of the arcades to another big Japanese entertainment company. I forgot the name of that company. Um but they sold off like the management. So basically they're going to keep the name like on the building because it kind of, I guess it like, it holds a lot of value right, when people see Sega, but it'll be kind of managed and like another company will basically reap all the, all the benefits if there are any benefits to be had from a deal like that. Yeah. I think the pandemic really just destroyed the, uh, um, the arcade scene in Tokyo a lot. Mm. Um, like, cause there's like no way people can really go there. And, uh, yeah. And they had already been on the decline for like decades. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like the pandemic is just sort of a nail in the coffin for these game centers in Japan. Mm, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure there will always be a few like, uh, like the kind of hardcore places, you know, cause there's going to be like a dedicated crowd that's like not going to let them let all the arcades die but Mm. like these kind of like mainstream like huge multi-story game centers like it's just impossible for them to stay uh, Mm. profitable when people aren't able to like go out and um hang out in there yeah it's a real shame isn't it i mean like we've we've talked about most of this before so we don't need to kind of retread on on all ground too much but i just really wish that like these guys could hang on just until like the tourists come back and then, and then and then see what the situation would be like, right? So they might they might be able to kind of recuperate still. Um, I'm sure they've already lost a like a bucket of money already, but if they could at least just kind of you know tick over until the, sto- the tourists start flooding back in, especially you know Ikebukuro, Shinjuku, Shibuya, and all the ones in Akihabara, they're all like huge areas, massively flooded with tourists in under nor- under normal circumstances. Um, and I'd say they're generally they are genuinely like landmarks, right? And genuinely like attractions that people actually come all the way to that area to see. I don't say people come to Japan just to go to a Sega arcade, but when people come to Tokyo, they'll definitely be like, oh, I've got to go to Akihabara and go to an arcade. It's just like yeah. like a must-have, must-do experience, right, when you're in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like when I first moved here, like one of the first things I did is I went to these big stations and I like went in, into these sega Mm. game centers and like just kind of walked around and checked it out um but like i think for a lot of people i mean like they'll go a a few times and then that's kind of enough you know Mm. like they're not they're not gonna go there uh like as a regular thing like to hang out like it used to be yeah definitely i think so yeah like 30 years ago like if you wanted to play the newest games you had to go to the arcade and hang out and Mm. play them there but now, like all the newest shit is like in your house on the console. So, <laughs> and, and the arcades are mostly like these older games that everyone's already seen. And, um, yeah, and, uh, like the only regular people I see at these arcades are like usually like middle school kids that like they're not old enough to like go out to like bars and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, like they just sort of hang around. 
yeah, spend, yeah. Uh, spend their like uh, money <laughs> from their parents. You know? so, I'd, I'd say like uh, the um, you know the only experience that I mean the mainly the reason that I go to these places um, it's usually like when I'm out with my wife or some friends or something you know and go for a bit of fun but they still like have the room for those big ass like mechanical controllers whether it's like Tyco or Tatsujin you know with the real sized Tyco I've got the little one at home but it's the size of like a small plate so it's not really that fun to hit and you can't just like fucking bang it but the one in the arcade is like two feet wide it's huge <laughs> um, or you know like House of the Dead or like Mario Kart with the big wheel and stuff like Dance Dance Revolution all those kind of games right the, all of them have like miniaturized versions that you can buy and take home right companies yeah Companies have known about that for years and, you know, they want to sell that arcade experience for the home, but it's just, it's, it's an arcade experience. You can't really fully replicate it unless you get the proper controller. So that's, for me, that's the, the main reason to go to one of these places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To get the experience with like the mm. big speakers and the chair and everything. And, yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. So yeah, it's sad, sad to see it closing down. Um, I hope some places manage to hang on until the pandemic's over so that we don't just like lose them all. But, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we, a- we could always, uh, we could go into business room. We could pick up one of these. Once it goes bankrupt, we could pick up one for cheap and then, uh, we'll just, we'll just hang on to it until the toys come back and then we'll just pimp it out with some like cool games, like new stuff that no one's ever seen before. Oh yeah, we, we can we can start the second wave, the the revolution, arcade revolution in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Japan Games Cast Arcade Revolution. That's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, let's move on to our next story. Uh, again, another lot of serious news this week, um, but this is regarding Nintendo, and it involves the the end of a five year lawsuit that they've had uh, with developer Colopal. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's Spelled C O L O P L, Kloppel. <laughs> I think that's a uh, Kloppel. 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 Can you do it like a New, New York accent? It sounds like a kind of New York like accent. A, like a Kloppel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a, a coffee and a Kloppel. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like... um, but yeah, they make this game uh, called Shiruneko Project, uh, which is what White Cat Project in English. And yeah, apparently the, the game uh, came out. 2016 it's been out a long time um and interestingly nintendo has even allowed the developer to kind of like continue development for a sequel to this game which is still scheduled to come out on switch all the time you know in the background they've got this like this lawsuit bubbling up to the effect of like 30 million dollars <laughs> so wow, it's, a, it's a bit of an a uh, bit of an odd um situation um but uh the the patents that Nintendo claims were copied um, were something to do with uh, touchscreen joystick functionality, uh, multiplayer connectivity, confirmation screens in sleep mode, character attacks based on touch, uh, on touch input, sorry, and a shadow effect placed on characters hidden behind the game's geometry. So, I mean, first off, what, what do you think about those uh, <laughs> those infringements, Ryan? Yeah, I mean... Could could we take a look at some footage of this game and see uh, see these yeah. copyright infringements in action? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, the, these aren't these aren't pointed out specifically. This is just the game running. Um, so it's kind of like this, like top down isometric, like it's a mobile game, um, but it's kind of like an RPG. I think it's almost a bit like um, like a dungeon crawler, and you get like little heroes and stuff. So I've not played it, but I mean, it looks kind of fun. Um, 
But it seems like the infringements are more to do with like the way that the game actually works. Um, you know, how, how it kind of operates on a code level. So the first one they've said is uh, infringed on uh, touchscreen joystick functionality. So, so like, this is probably being borrowed from one of Nintendo's mobile games. Possibly, uh, yeah. Like perhaps they have like a very similar way to control the character. Yeah, um, but it, but it looks like you know like any 3D mobile game with the left stick, you just put your thumb somewhere on the screen, and then that establishes the there's the zero point for the stick, right? And then when you push a finger, it just moves from that point. Yeah, I I don't know because like it doesn't really detail specifically like what what about the joystick functionality is infringing. So, so like it's kind of hard to say, mm. you know, exactly what's going on. I mean, I'm sure that's what the, the lawyers at Nintendo had to prove. It's like, I'm sure, ex- yeah, exactly yeah. how how it has been infringed. Yeah, um, I mean, usually is the case with these deep things like the, all the full details aren't disclosed. You know, um, it's just the the general outline of the case is made public. But but like just from looking at it, like I don't like I don't see any obvious infringement. So it must have to do with the code or the design or, or something. Yeah. That's, um been lifted. Um although this this has been going on for a while, right? This five year five years, yeah. I mean you think about all the mobile games that come out in five years. This just looks like so generic. I couldn't like I couldn't distinguish this from any other mobile game. Like yeah, it was like it, kind of I mean, like anime kind it, of themed. <laughs> it must it must be pretty popular for like them to go after it for that long. I guess so, yeah. The only kind of complaint I saw that didn't look too generic was the one that states uh, a shadow effect placed on characters hidden behind the game's geometry. So it's a bit hard to say for certain because you have to go into like the, the development tool for the game. But a lot of games do this trick where like instead of having to load the character in and out of RAM, when they're not on screen, they just kind of get moved behind a wall or like below the floor or something. So you can't mm-hmm. physically see them and the game doesn't have to render them but they're still in the memory. So that's kind of how like when cutscenes, you know, when you watch a cutscene in a game and the camera changes, but the, the characters also, also seem to like change positions almost instantly, right? If they were loading in like fresh every time the, the scene changed, then they might have to buffer and like you might see the textures disappear and stuff. Um, so that seems like some kind of like memory trick or like, I don't know, I'm not really sure. I'm not, I'm not a developer, but it sounds like something to do with the code that would have to be, you know, specifically engineered to operate in a, a certain way. So yeah, maybe maybe they kind of copied or like you know were inspired by a Nintendo game in that regard. Um, yeah, yeah, it must it must be like pretty clear to the guys at Nintendo for them to continue pursuing the lawsuit uh, mm-hmm. for, for so long. Um, but anyway, yeah, they've settled out of that, and uh, I guess the game continues to be popular in Japan. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there is a sequel planned, um, and I don't know, yeah, this studio seems to be at least on decent terms with Nintendo, you know, they're still willing to publish the game on their platform, um, but I mean, if you fall out with Nintendo, like, they don't give a fuck, right? Like, Nintendo's, <laughs> Nintendo's just like the top level, like, you just gotta yeah. bow down and just take what they give you, so, yeah. <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably like, thank you, Nintendo Summer, for your $30 million lawsuit, <laughs> please, <laughs> may I have some more? <laughs> I don't really know know the game, but I I guess maybe we'll uh, we'll be covering the uh, sequel when it eventually comes out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right, so uh, let's yeah keep it fast paced on this one today. Uh, what's our next story here, Ryan? 
All right. So next up, uh, at Jinai Girls High School uh, in the city of Fukui, Japan, uh, a new esports club opened up last October.、Mm-hmm. And uh, usually uh, these clubs are popular at boys' schools, but this is kind of a rare club to have at an all girls school. So There's only 12 members right now, and they have、uh, six computers at the school for the girls to use、uh, and practice. So, yeah, it's kind of cool to see some, uh, uh, some girls getting involved in、uh, esports as well, you know,、mm, with it yeah, being yeah. usually kind of a, a male dominated zone. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's,、uh, I mean maybe, maybe it's more obvious to us, right? Because we live in Japan, but it's not, not really rare to see girls in Japan into like nerdy stuff, especially like anime and manga. But you see a lot of girls playing games. I see a lot of girls on the train with like Switch or DS, you know, or Vita.、Um, so it's a lot more common for girls here,、um, but it's, st- it's still a heavy imbalance. You know, it's still like 80% boys or whatever.、Um, but, but compared to the West, to see a girl over the age of like 10 playing a video game is like super rare, right?、Um, but, but anyway, yeah,、uh, there was a little video over here. Because、um, like you say, the, the, the club opened in October, but it was recently featured、um, on this. Channel,、uh, which is、uh, Yarosa Fukui, which I guess is like a local a local station in Fukui or a local channel that kind of、um, highlights different stories from around the area.、Um, but it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, so they're here. You can see she's playing、uh, some Rocket League here. And the guy's yeah, just,、yeah. the guy's absolutely amazed. <laughs> looks, looks like a, a pretty beefy computer they got at the school. That's it, right? Yeah, that's the first thing that caught my attention. It wasn't the girls like, playing. I was like, how do schools have such good equipment? <laughs> yeah, my, my high school had like a 1995 like Windows.、Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> the big fat computers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,、uh, um, so in Japan, a、uh, little bit like cultural background, like,、uh, they call it bukatsu. So, bukatsu is like kind of clubs, and they're really popular in schools. So, pretty much every kid is in like two or three or four clubs. So, when they finish school, they'll go to the clubs after school, which is quite different.、So、probably the same as you, Ryan, but like in especially in the UK, when you finish school, you just go home. And you, you might have some、yeah. hobbies, but like you generally just go home and play games or whatever, or hang out with your mates. But in Japan, yeah, it's really, really、yeah. common for kids to be finish school, but then just kind of start their extracurricular stuff straight after. Yeah. And, and I feel like in Japan, people get really like, Dedicated to their hobbies.、Mm. Like they'll, they'll start at a very young age, you know, middle or high school with the,、uh, with the bukatsu, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If these girls are into gaming. And then when they go to college, like often they'll continue with that same club or hobby. Like there's、mm-hmm. also like groups in college. And it just kind of becomes like、uh, the, the thing they identify with outside of their like、um, school and work life.、Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very different. It's like, Like, cause for, for us, I feel like we just kind of do whatever, and there's like, there's not very much like guidance,、mm-hmm. you know? Whereas in Japan, like, there's, there's already these groups that are established, and like, you can join them and, and be surrounded with people who are, you know, actively doing the same thing as you.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, so, yeah, so that's kind of why it's so cool is like,、uh, it's just a chance for these girls to like get involved with gaming as like kind of a serious hobby. Yeah, and yeah. It's, and it's like being acknowledged by, you know, by a school, at least as, as a legitimate way to spend your free time.、Mm, yeah,、um, I, think, I think it's really cool. I think it's kind of surprising、uh, to see this in Fukui as well, which is, 
I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think Fukui is one of like the smallest populous like prefectures in Japan. Um, and Fukui City is inside a Fukui prefecture, but yeah. I mean, you'd expect they, to see something like this in like Tokyo, right? You know, one of the more like um, happening places. But it's really cool, and uh, you can see they're set up here. This is intense. I wonder if it was like donated by uh, like a sponsor. Um, I don't know, but that looks like some serious gear they got. You know, yeah, <laughs> it looks like, like you know when you go into one of those like PC shops in you know in Tokyo, and they have all mm -hmm. of the, the it's all because they have a lot of the setups, right? So you can kind of demo them, and, and they're always set up like a PC gamer, and uh, it's got, like LED, like mouse mat, and like you know everything's like super widescreen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty jealous to see these kids playing on this nice stuff. And Yeah, yeah. Game <laughs> I'm star. Over, I'm over here, here with my old cheap shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know I don't know the name of the presenter, but you can see him here. Now. They're doing like, um, I guess, like a 4v4 or a 3v3 game. But they've actually got yeah, like a room. Like It's like three computers facing three other computers, like back to back. It's kind of like old school like land cafe style. Anyway, uh, I guess, yeah, that's, that's cool to see uh, some esports going on in the high yeah school. absolutely so, i guess that brings us to our last story for today yeah so this is just a real quick story um but i just saw this online the other day and thought it'd be something cool to show you guys uh there's uh, a new line of watches um by seiko which is quite a famous uh, japanese watch brand um limited edition watches uh pokemon collaboration so as always you know everything under the sun has had a pokemon collaboration at, the, at this point but um these look pretty cool. I don't think I'd wear one myself, but they're not they're not too flashy. I don't know if you saw those Mario watches that came out like last week or the week before. And they looked a bit garish. But these ones are a little bit more a bit more tasteful, if you yeah, will. I like I like the blue one. Uh, what is that Blastoise? Yeah, so yeah, it's the uh, the original three uh, starter evolutions. You got Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise, and then obviously uh, in red, uh, green and blue. So yeah, Fushigi Banner is uh is Venusaur, Vizardon, Charizard, and Kamex is Blastoise in Japanese. Um, they all look quite similar. Obviously, the watch face color is the main thing here. So green. Um, we've got oh, maybe I have to scroll this way. Red, for Charizard. Oh, actually, I never noticed that before. They've got the other two evolutions in the smaller clocks. That's quite cute. Oh wow, that's <laughs> yeah really yeah. Nice. Uh, so the blue one here for you, Squirtle, Wartortle, Blastoise. Yeah. The the Pokemon company like really does a good job when they do these like fashion collaborations. Like they mm -hmm. always come up with like fresh, interesting uh, designs, and uh, yeah, it it's never stuff that I really personally want to buy, but I I, I can always admire it and like see the effort they uh, they put. Oh, in. for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, They're always like, yeah. I feel like it it's never just like the first thing that they thought of, right? I imagine like Seiko probably went to. Pokemon and said like, oh, can we make some Pokemon watches? And then they were probably like, okay, just give us some designs. And then from that point, I, I'd imagine they reiterate probably 10, 50, maybe even 20 times before they come out with the design that they're happy with. Um, but you yeah. know, they're always, they're always like good at just splashing the detail on in like moderation. So, you know, it, it kind of like, I mean, maybe even with this one, if there wasn't a Pokeball on it, because the, the, the Squirtle and Wartortle, they're just like thin kind of outlines, right? So they're not like immediately obvious when you look at it. You just see like the watch face, and then maybe you look at the detail after. It was like, oh, there's like a, there's like a little character hidden in there, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they they are uh, being sold for almost five hundred dollars each, mm, which is yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of insane. But yeah, so uh, fi fifty thousand yen, which is I think it's about four hundred and fifty dollars. I checked, um, but 
Yeah, these uh, yeah. uh these are the back plates, so you can't actually can't see this part. So this is probably the lamest part because it, it gives it away too much, but it's hidden under your wrist, right? So again, not a problem. Uh, but you can see it stamps one out of seven hundred because these are actually limited uh, to seven hundred pieces for each design. So uh, what's that? Twenty one hundred watches in total will be sold with this um, for this special collaboration, which makes these kind of rare, I guess. Yeah, um, gotta buy buy all three of them, man. Gotta buy them all. That's it. <laughs> if you're into the Pokemon spirit, yeah. So uh, it looks like the pre-order started on the sixth of August here. Um, I don't actually know when they go on sale, but if you're interested, yeah, you can uh, follow the link uh, here, or you just Google um, Seiko Pokemon collab, and you'll be able to find that. Um, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up all our news for the week. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we got some some fresh fresh watches. Arcades are closing down. Nintendo suing people. It's a uh, it's wild <laughs> it's over here. Turmoil. It's complete. <laughs> it's complete chaos in Japan. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's mosey on over to uh, the new releases then. Yeah. So uh, first up this week, we've got a Yu-Gi-Oh Rush Jewel, which um, yeah, it's, it's a new new Yu-Gi-Oh game. I didn't even know this uh, this franchise was still going. To be honest. Yeah, me too. I I remember it when I was like a little kid. Uh, so <laughs> I guess they're still making it. Uh, yeah, so we'll skip ahead so to the, 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 the trailer here. So, oh, okay. Some, some 3D graphics going on. Wow, this looks really generic, doesn't it? I mean, did you used to watch yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. Like when it was on? Yeah, when it was a new anime, I watched mm. it. It was like on TV. Yeah. Um, I've never played any games. I know there's like a card game. Yeah, I mean... It'd be hard to make a Yu-Gi-Oh game without the card element, because even the show, right? That was like the whole premise was like just card battles all the time, right? Um, yeah, that's right. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know if they're actually like their father and son, but I assume they're celebrities of some regard. So, like the the cards like summon monsters, right? Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if we're gonna see like 3D models of these monsters like fighting in the game. They're in <laughs> yeah. the they're uh, colorful underwear there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, so, I mean, so far, it just looks kind of like a mobile game. Um, I forgot the actual rules to Yu-Gi-Oh, but yeah, you get like two rows of five, so you get like ten spaces each. And you get like you, you get like monster cards and like power cards and maybe like you, def defense I, I cards know, maybe. Like, to summon the monster, you have to like do a bunch of preparation for it. At, like, And then summoning it is like a big deal. I believe you have to like bring them to the front. I really can't remember. If you if you asked me this question twenty years ago, I'd tell you in exact detail how Yu-Gi-Oh works. <laughs> but I do remember really enjoying the game. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was a game called like Yu-Gi-Oh Champion something on the Game Boy Color. And it was a real simple game, but like, you know, you, you just play as like the character and you go into like this like you know, in this like tournament building and you just keep playing people at Yu-Gi-Oh! And like you just win the cards and stuff and yeah, it was really badass. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, this looks like looks pretty similar to like just a, a basic card game. I mean, we saw that 3D bit towards the beginning, mm. um, but I'm I'm not sure what's going on. Um, yeah, not not too sure myself, but I, I assume yeah, it's just a standard Yu-Gi-Oh affair. It looks like they've like like with all the the classic memorable anime, they've updated all the characters. It looks too fresh now, like it looks too clean. That doesn't yeah. have doesn't have the original main character, uh, but anyway, yeah. Let's move on to our next game of the evening. Yeah. So next up, we've got a uh, Yu Oni, which is like Demon of the Night. 
Um, Demon of the Night. That sounds like an 80s like pop hit or something. Yeah, yeah. Or Night, <laughs> Night Demon, I guess, maybe. Um, Night Demon. They both kind of sound the same, but I guess there's a bit of a nuance there. Um, but the kanji is just, yeah, you meaning evening and oni meaning not demon. It looks to be set in like an abandoned school and it's kind of like a first person kind of like horror game. Maybe a bit like a, do you ever play Outlast or um, Amnesia maybe? Uh, I haven't or, played them. Uh, I actually, I don't play horror games. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I, can, uh, can be a little bit scary. Scared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this looks cool. Yeah, like there's these people kind of like glitching out of like, out of reality. So they're yeah, kind of like, they're cool. in like another, I don't know, like another plane of existence. It reminds me a bit of like that trailer we watched for uh, Shin Megami Tensei, you know, and it's like the parallel world or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But it also has like heavy, like Stranger Things vibes, you know. There was a, there was a similar game to this that came out last year. Oh, I okay. Um, oh, that was scary. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah. It, it's, it was like a Western game where there's like a parallel world where you can see people's demons oh okay uh, I, think it, I think it was like a microsoft exclusive. oh creepy kids sorry to interrupt Ooh. you but yeah just look, look, <laughs> creepy children are the worst man oh man just, if you want to scare me just show me a creepy kid with a with like no face terrifying <laughs> i i really like these graphics actually they're like super cool i like oh there he is again give oh, oh no i don't want it <laughs> but yeah yeah i like the graphics yeah, it looks like it kind of I thought it's got this kind of like red tint to it, like this very like heavy red filter. Um, and because I guess like horror games always benefit from having like very like visualized style, they can get away with like worse graphics, you know, running on the Switch or whatever. So it doesn't look amazing, but it looks probably higher fidelity than it might do if it was like the same world but shown in like the daytime setting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that like was it. on the that was on the Switch as well. That's on the Switch, yeah. So oh, um, wow, that that does look pretty good for for a Switch game then. For the Switch, yeah, not not too bad, right? All right, so uh, our final game is uh, Kimio no Kiseki Kara no Dashutsu, which is like Escape from the Strange Ruins, and it looks to be some kind of like um, like kind of puzzle game. Um, but I believe I've actually already played one in this series. If it's made by the same developer, um, uh, if you want to check out on on the uh, Kantan Gamer channel. I made uh, a game. It was basically called like Mr. Cat Escapes from the Train Window. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a point and clicks type of thing. Right? Kind of, yeah. So this looks, uh, yeah, it's definitely the same developer because the graphics are just horrendous. Um, this, I believe, is quite old already, um, but this is this is now coming out on the Switch. But from what I've seen in, um, you know, going on the store, like he, he, the developer's been releasing a lot of these games. Um, but they all look like, like from 1998, you know, like those kind of pre-rendered, you know, like even when like games were so like limited that like the best 3D you could do is this, but it had to be pre-rendered. So even pre-rendered yeah, still like, look like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is that game called Siberia. Do you know that one? Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of looks like that with like the, the graphics, you know, mm. um, I, I love this kind of like pre-rendered like adventure style game i don't know there's something really exciting about just like getting the next pre-rendered scene <laughs> me uh, me too <laughs> but but this is not one of them i promise you i, I oh, really right. like um do you remember broken sword that was a great game um 
flashback that was cool uh, that was less of a point and click game but still kind of pre-rendered um monkey island that was probably my favorite one did, that was did amazing this, did this use the uh the touch screen on the switch when you played the the other one uh yes you, you could do yeah um i believe um but i, I was I, or were you using like a a cursor uh well you can touch it but i was playing it um on the tv so i was playing it with the, the uh the pro controller um oh, okay so the I cursor see. i mean the cursor was fine it moved a bit slow it was a little bit clunky but um yeah but i did, I did test it i think i'm pretty sure yeah it worked with our touch controls as well because i feel like the touch controls would be really nice with something like that you can just quickly like kind of go around um to the different scenes and stuff yeah so, sure yeah this is definitely like i don't know if you call it an indie game but like this kind of like made by a single guy <laughs> you know, kind it's of definitely in the game in, in every sense of the word uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just but... it's bare bones it looks like ass it's made by a very small team i believe it is but made by one person um i, I will only praise his consistency because all of these games are very similar um i played two of them now and they take about an hour to complete so you can get them from them pretty quickly you probably do it even quicker if you're fluent in Japanese, um, you know. So a couple of things trip me up on some of the words, but it's even even the like you know intermediate Japanese. It wasn't that difficult. Um, but I don't think these games are available in English. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a challenge, and it might be even more fun if you don't speak Japanese. You know, you just got to go in it completely, you know, completely raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So that pretty much wraps us up for this week's episode. Lots of uh, interesting news. Uh, I'm a bit dry on the new games this week, but hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff for you next time. So uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter. Anyone on there uh, at Kantan underscore Japan. And whichever platform you listen to the show on, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or following us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, thanks, Ryan, as always, for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot. And we'll see you guys next week for the very next episode. <laughs>